Hey girlfriends, welcome to Married and Having Fun. I'm Kathy, I'm 46, I have four children and have been married for 25 years. Woo, I'm Jacynthia, 34, married for six years with three awesome little kiddos. We've been friends for 11 years. On this show, we're talking all things marriage and everything in between. If you know what I mean. Pull up a chair, sit back and relax. This is Married and Having Fun. I am so excited today. We are about to get into some very deep, deep conversation. I have a new friend. Let me read her bio real quick because this woman is a well, a well of knowledge. And I love just listening to her speak on any topic. She just, she brings it. So let me, let me read her bio first. Okay. Kobe Campbell is a first generation Ghanaian American mom, wife, speaker, and award-winning licensed trauma therapist. Kobe received her Master of Art in Christian Counseling from Gordon-Conwell Theology Seminary and specializes in providing therapy trauma to people of faith. Kobe is the founder and lead therapist at her private practice, The Healing Circle, located in Charlotte, North Carolina, and hosts The Healing Circle podcast with her husband, Kyle. Welcome to the show, my new friend, Kobe Campbell. Hi, hi. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I can't wait to chat it up and just have some good conversation. Oh, my goodness. Let me first just say that a friend sent me your podcast and Mm -hmm. I started, I had a beach drive. I was driving to the beach, so I had like three hours to burn and I just started playing episode after episode and I was like oh this is so (laughs) needed like first of all the healing circle alone I was like yes can I come and heal can I can let's do that join the circle come on this space for you I love the topics I love just how you and your husband work together on that and and it's just it's beautiful Thank you. You posted, we're going to dive right in. You posted um, a comment and I was like, that is so good. And I never even thought about it this way. You said all healing requires connection. Relational Mm -hmm. pain is healed relationally. Yeah. Yeah. Let's unpack that for a second. (laughs) I know they can't see your face, but I can see your face. She is excited. Um, Yeah, so what's hard about healing, period, is the idea that it makes us want to run to what is safe, Mm. right? Because trauma in one way or another makes us feel like we are unsafe, whether that's physically, whether that's emotionally, spiritually, we feel unsafe And so because we want to protect ourselves, we run to the things that make us feel most safe. And for people who've been hurt in relationship, for people who've been hurt in friendships and marriages and dating relationships, isolation feels like the salve to that wound, Mm, right? Yeah. But really isolation exacerbates the wound, right? You want to think about like, the wound is, you know, the pain you experience in the relationship and isolation is what creates the infection. 
Uh, Isolation is what makes it go deep and makes it spread wide and get all icky and green and bad, right? Uh-huh. But at the end of the day, it's kind of like, well, I don't want to go back to that thing because I know for a fact this thing hurt me, like this yeah. relationship hurt me. How can I engage in a way that makes me feel safe? Most people feel like there isn't a way. Mm-hmm. So they're like, I'm just going to be alone. Or I'm just going to give the very surface levels of myself to other people. Mm. But deep rela- relational pain has to be healed in deep relationship. Yeah. Right? We can't, we can't think that the deep wounds that we've experienced are going to be touched by surface relationships. I am feeling that in my heart right now because that's where I was for so Mm. long, just giving that surface level and not even realizing that it came from the trauma in my life. So let me ask you this. Let's, Let's back up. I do find it very moving that you've put Christianity and trauma therapy together. How did that come about for you? Honestly, I experienced... Before I became a believer, and this is kind of how I became a believer, Uh I tried to commit suicide. Uh And for me at that time, like, I knew about God, knew about Jesus, didn't really know what the gospel was. I, like, knew Jesus loved me, this I know, for the Uh Bible tells me so, but that's all I knew. Uh (laughs) Um, But I remember just kind of feeling like there's no purpose to life. Why am I here? Uh Is life just like trying to earn love and affection and constantly getting rejected? Like, Uh if so, I don't know if I want to do this for another 50 years. Right. So Uh um, had a miraculous moment where my now brother-in-law called me and was like, I was praying and the Lord said that you took these pills and you drank this vodka. And he says he has a purpose for your life. And he told me to tell you, don't go to sleep. And it was just this miraculous encounter. The next day, I went to church with him, gave mm. my life to Christ. And probably a couple weeks later, it felt like my depression was back. Mm. And it was like, okay, I know this hope in God is real. I know that the blood of Jesus means something. Mm-hmm. But why am I still depressed? Mm. Why am I still sad? Why do I still feel like I don't know if I want to wake up tomorrow morning? Why mm. do I still feel this way? And to be honest, I felt like the church didn't have much of an answer for me. Mm. So for me, I decided to do my own research, right? I became a therapist and began to do my own research as I battled with my own anxiety and depression and found that so many scientific principles were echoed in scripture. Mm. And I was like, why is no one talking about this? That right there. Yeah. Why is no one talking about this? Like one of my favorite, favorite principles is um, created by this man called Dan Siegel. And he created this uh, phrase called name it to tame it, right? Mm. So the right posterior side of our brain has the amygdala, which deals with the stress hormone. Think Mm. of fight, flight, freeze, right? So when we're stressed out, that part of our brain is constantly releasing neurotransmitters of stress. Releasing stress hormone is just like shooting it out, shooting it out. Mm. And that side of our brain, the right side, deals with emotional processing, the left side of our brain deals with logical processing, mm. like putting words to things, right? Mm-hmm. Identifying things with words. So he found in a study that when we put words to the what we're experiencing, what we're feeling, the left side of the brain that deals with words sends calming neurotransmitters to the part of the brain that's distressed. Wow. Right? Yeah. 
And we don't even realize that there's a biological foundation for the idea of confession. Ugh. Right, I think it's James 5, 16. It says, confess your sins to one another that you may be healed. Yes. That is not just God telling us, like, share your junk so you can be vulnerable. There's a biological reality that you are going to get to experience a sense, a feeling of healing when you confess to your sins, when you confess what hurts you, when you put words to the pain and the disappointment, right? Uh. And the more I dug into the science and the neurobiology of mental, to health and psychology, the more I found the Bible to feel more true to me mm. and feel more true and feel more sufficient to yeah. my experience. Mm -hmm. There are so many things in the Bible that I feel, you know, the world or anyone has taken bits and pieces and kind of run with it. And <laughs> if we dig in deeper and look behind what it's saying, it's God has given us all these little nuggets. We're not using them. Yeah. So, so, yeah. so good. Okay. For anyone, anyone who's out there and they're listening and we keep using the word trauma, can mm. you define trauma for the listeners? Because sometimes I feel that when that word is thrown around, we're like, oh, nothing big happened in my life. Oh my goodness. I hear that all the time. <laughs> I think that. I think that probably three-fourths of my work with my clients is helping them see that they're traumatized in the first place, hmm. right? A lot of them come to me and they're like, oh, well, I know you're a trauma therapist, but, like, I don't have trauma, but, you know, you're Black or you're Christian. And, and like, they come to me for those things. And mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, you're about to find out. Don't worry. You got it. <laughs> oh, we'll find it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, let's define what trauma is. Trauma is an event or a series of events that affects your mental, emotional, physical, spiritual, relational, or financial well-being. Mm. That's pretty much all the components of life. Yeah. <laughs> right? So it's an event or a series of events. So I'm going to break down a couple types of trauma um, for you guys. Okay. So there's acute trauma. Acute trauma is one focused moment. It might be a sexual assault. It might be a car crash. It might be, you know... Uh, a kidnapping, like all the things that our brain kind of automatically goes to when we think about trauma. Mm -hmm. And then we have chronic trauma. Mm -hmm. And that's a lot of what I deal with. Chronic trauma is a small, everyday, persistent things that happen all the time, right? Like dismissal, betrayal, belittling, mm -hmm. right? The moments that you may say to a friend or a parent, this is how I feel. And they're like, you're all right, right? Yeah. But imagine that happening every single day for 10 years. That's chronic trauma. Ugh. And then we have complex trauma, which is having either more than one of each of those things or a combination of the two. So you might have several acute or you might have several chronic or you might have one acute, one chronic, two acute, two chronic, right? But it's a combination of them. And most of, you know, that complex trauma yeah. Most of us have one moment that we can pinpoint and say like, yes, that was traumatic. But a lot of us are affected in our day to day by the chronic trauma that we are so accustomed to that we can't even identify it because it's so normal to us. Mm. And that's what I specialize in helping people see. Oh, uh, so good. <laughs> I was up till midnight last night talking with my husband. Him and I both listened to your, when you were on, um, you were doing an Instagram talk with a pastor. And mm -hmm. KJ, yeah. Yeah. And he, 
so my husband's a pastor and he literally took some of your quotes and like put it in his sermon Sunday that Sunday. Well, tell him to take it. Tell him to take it. I hope it goes as far and as wide as it can possibly go. Yes. And we were talking up late last night and we were kind of, him and I went to high school together. And so he was just asking mm-hmm. me about some of these moments. We dated for two weeks in high school and he literally, his mind, he remembers everything about those two Every weeks. Every single one of those 14 days. Yes. And um, even like how I treated him afterwards and blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, babe, you don't even understand the type of life that I was having. Like I literally can't remember mm. much of anything. And I said, yeah. and I, I was listing out, I said, some of the things that were going on for me at this time in my home and like yeah. just yeah. in my life period I was like, you were not that high on my radar. Like, I can't even. I was not checking for you. I'm so sorry. (laughs) And he was just like, he just had this realization like, wow, like, okay. Like, I'm starting to see why your brain might be so full of, you know, thinking about all these, like, how you operate and how you work. So, anyway. Think a little bit about. Um, I'm sorry, I want to jump in really quick. No, go ahead. Mentioning a little bit about parenting. So a lot of people will say, you know, my mom or my dad said this and it stuck with me for the rest of my life and Mm. Uh da-da-da, which is all valid and real. Uh And oftentimes they'll go back to their parents and their parents will not even remember saying it. Right. Because their parents were in such a traumatic experience at that moment Uh when they said those things off the cuff or without thinking and they're like, this is now what my mother believes about who I am, right? And yeah. it's like, I don't remember saying this, right? <laughs> right. And it can feel like, oh, she's just trying to escape responsibility for, you know, the hard things that she said. But the reality is just like what you said between you and your husband, she probably was so stressed out she didn't remember it. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't change the sense of responsibility to apologize, and it doesn't change the work you have to do to undo some of those negative narratives that came from that moment. Mm. But it does insert grace into the equation. Oh, yes. Yes. Like, there's a sense of grace that, like, has a place when we acknowledge that, like, there's some people that are in literally survival mode mm. and may do or say things that impact your life de- deeply and may not even know that they've done it. Oh, so, so good. Um, mm. All right. Since this is married and having fun. Um <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you this. First of all, how long have you and Kyle been married? In March, it will be five years since our traditional wedding. Uh-huh. Um, our traditional Arganaim wedding. Oh. And then we had our American wedding in August. That is so awesome. We kind of did yeah. a similar thing as well. Okay. So when it comes to relationships and what is the biggest relational pain that you, in, in your line of work, what is the biggest relational pain that you see? I guess the biggest and then maybe the smallest that we might not even notice. Yeah. Honestly, I think the answer is the same. Okay. Um, or like a double-edged sword. So betrayal mm. and abandonment. Oh, Okay. I think that, especially when it comes to people who are married, Mm -hmm. like oftentimes there are people who who are sleeping in the same bed, living in the same house, doing the same activities, all the things, Mm -hmm. but more often than not, someone in there feels betrayed, Mm -hmm. someone in there feels abandoned. Uh, 
Okay. All right. And what are, for me, like when you say that word betrayed, I feel that that could be different things for different people. And how do you even recognize that you might be living in feeling betrayed? Mm, Yeah, that's such a good question. I think that people who feel betrayed often feel like they have made their needs clear, but someone has decided not to fulfill them. Mm, Okay. Right. That like I have this image in my head of like when someone feels betrayed, it's almost like I I have an option to look at you, but I've decided I'm going to turn away. Mm. And that's often what they feel in their marriage. Like I said, I needed this and you just decided not to do it. Mm. I feel betrayed by you because I made myself vulnerable to someone in this capacity and they've decided not to respond to me in the ways that I need the most. Right. And I think that goes hand in hand with abandonment because that leads to feeling abandoned. Yeah. Like, dang, I feel like I'm out here on this limb being vulnerable and you're not sharing anything. Yeah. You know, and, and that doesn't just happen in the big moments, like infidelity, whether that's emotional or physical, um, that happens in the way that we talk, the way that we communicate, right. Mm. That we create these microcosms of betrayal and abandonment just by simply not responding when someone says something to us. Uh, uh. Right? To say, I'm going to use the, all the stuff I have inside of me to say what I need to say, even though it's scary and it makes me anxious, I'm going to say how frustrated I am at you. And just imagine you like build up that courage and that person says nothing at all. Mm, right? Yeah. There's a sense of abandonment that comes with, like, I have made myself vulnerable in my anger vulnerable in my frustration to you and you offered nothing back mm, right yeah that can lead to that sense of like abandonment and vulnerability and abandonment and um, betrayal Ooh, that reminds mm-hmm. me of like my first year probably year and a half of marriage and because I really never identified with the word love um mm. And I had told my husband this, like, I'm like, I don't care. You know, when people say I love you, like, that doesn't mean anything to me. Like, it's yeah. more about your actions. And and it was from a lot of trauma in my life. And so sometimes when yeah. he would say I love you, like, I literally would not respond. Like, that was just, it was a normal thing for me. And mm. he would be standing there like, are you serious right now? Like, you, you're not going to say nothing? And I was like, okay, you love me. Like, I got it. Thank Thank you. you. Yeah. Mm. And so now healing from that, I'm just, it's, uh, it's so good. It's so good to be on the other side of it. Yeah. And and have a bird's eye view. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. All right. So for the marriages out there that might be, you know, like you said, there's different types of trauma say that they are in one of those levels and looking to say, all right, I want to pause and not go down this path anymore, or I want to heal. What is the best practices to heal and move forward in a relationship that needs to be restored? Yeah. Um, obviously everything I say is going to end with go to therapy. Yeah. Um, (laughs) so do that. And, and I truly mean that. So I'll start where I want to start and then I'll end with therapy. Okay. So I think vocalizing your needs, mm-hmm. your disappointments, mm. and the things that you love. 
like mm-hmm. all of it, mm-hmm. right? Because you would be surprised how many, or maybe you wouldn't, how many people are like, I want to tell him I feel this, but I just, I don't want to start anything. Mm, and it's like, yeah. you can't heal or restore or redeem anything that stays hidden. Ugh. It has to come to light. Even if it really sucks to say out loud, you have to say like, hey, I know this sounds silly maybe to you, but it hurts my feelings when you throw a dish in the sink, you know, Mm -hmm. after I just cleaned or it hurts my feelings when you A, B, C, D, E, F, G, Mm -hmm. right? We have to be okay with verbalizing how we feel, no matter how huge finger quotations, childish it makes us look. Mm -hmm. One of the hardest things about healing is that true and authentic healing will make us look like less of the self that is affirmed by other people. Mm. We will look less like what other people love. Mm. Other people want to see this perfect, reliable stability. Other people want to see this person who's unaffected. Other people don't want to have to deal with the reality that someone else's feelings are just as big as theirs. Mm. But as we heal we have to be okay with the fact that we might lose the respect of other people for embracing our emotions. I know for me, I mean, now I have the opportunity to speak openly and people are like, wow, this is great. But for years I was called childish and immature because when I felt the need to cry, I cried. Mm. When I felt happy, I was happy. Yeah. And the idea that I was so in tune to my emotions for so many people, especially in the black community was you're childish. Mm. You're, you're too your emotions and yet I know that emotions are part of God's design and so I'm not going to throw them away and put it to the side because to disregard God's design is to disrespect God right and so I'm going to live within the design that God has given me yeah and if you don't think that that makes me respectable and if you don't think that makes me look mature enough I have to be okay with that oh 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 I I you're going to make me cry. <laughs> it, it is so disrespectful to live outside of God's design and how he designed us. Um, yeah. And there's, it, there is, I, I feel, a process to getting back to normalizing your emotions and being okay with where you are. Um, okay. Yeah. So you can continue on your path there. Um, And so as we have these conversations, I think marriage is a beautiful place for us to discover what the issue is Mm. and to discover the extent to which each person is hurt. Mm -hmm. But the process of reversing that pain, especially if the wounds come from each other, has to be done outside of the marriage. Do you feel that it's easier if the wounds haven't come from each other? Oh, no. Okay. Okay. I think that I think when the wounds haven't come from each other, we still inflicted the patterns that come from the wounds on each other. Mm, Yeah. They don't have to originate from you for Mm -hmm. me to hurt you with the wounds that have come from outside the marriage. So true. Right. Yeah. And so I think what I found in my marriage and seen in many other marriages is this sense of like, let's figure out what the heck this is. Mm -hmm. Let's dig deep and figure out what this is. But once we figure out like, okay, wow, I have an issue with this or I have a problem with this, like, go to therapy. Me and my husband go to therapy, therapy separately. Mm-hmm. We 
have our own code. He doesn't, I, he does not have to report to me what he's t- talked about in that confidential space. Uh-huh. And I don't have to report to him what's talked about in that confidential space, but we both have the freedom to share what we think is really important to our marriage. Yeah. Right. And oftentimes we end up just telling each other yeah. all this stuff. Right. Yeah. Cause and it's good. Sometimes it is. Yeah. And sometimes we'll need a second. Like, you, you know, I might notice that he's a little down and, and I'll say, Hey, like, do you want to talk? And he'll say, just processing some stuff from therapy. That is for me a signal of he's processing something that is completely his right now. Mm-hmm. And I need to let him have that. Mm. Right. Because when we begin to try and take ownership of our partner's healing, we can wound them even further. Mm. And I found that our relationship has just flourished when he has had the space to be fully himself without fear of the consequence of how it affect me. Mm. So good. Say that yeah. one more time. Because that was so good. I hope I remember everything I said. (laughs) He has the space to respond the way he wants to without the fear of how it will affect me. Mm -hmm. Like if he's angry and wants to freaking scream or punch a pillow, Mm -hmm. he doesn't have to worry if I'm afraid, right? Like Mm -hmm. anyone who knows Kyle, he knows he's a gentle giant. I honestly couldn't really imagine him doing that. But, you know... Just for him, if if I want to scream and punch a pillow, mm-hmm. I know I'm the type of person <laughs> like that. I'm not that it's not in a way that can be perceived as, as abusive or threatening to him. Mm-hmm. That I'm doing it in a safe and contained space where I can be whoever, whatever I want to be, express however I need to express without the fear of like, oh my gosh, how's Kyle going to respond to this? Yeah, right. Because how do we feel fully when we're always concerned? considering how to feel in a way that is most accepted Mm. we don't yeah we can't feel fully if we're always considering how it's going to affect somebody else and that's why we need a space that's just ours where we don't have to make that consideration yeah I really truly feel that within a lot of marriages marriages that we can counsel and um people that we see and our friends that's that component right there is missing And it's almost like we've created these parameters in our mind that stop Mm -hmm. us. We're always constantly like, oh, well, I don't want to look like this to them. And and it it shouldn't Mm -hmm. be that way because this is our life partner, the person you're supposed to do life with. And the person who's supposed to accept every part of you and walk on a healing journey together. So I, I love that. We do need to allow space for that, for sure. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely agree. All right, so we're talking about walking toward healing. There's so much here in your relationship, and you've said so far that we need to accept our emotions, be comfortable sitting in them and having them, and then we need to allow space to for our partners to process. Yeah. What's next? Going to therapy. Mm -hmm. Make Mm. the leap. Right. Yeah. I always make the analogy that like when you are too close to something, you can't see it for what it is. Mm. Right. Yeah. I could be standing super close to a wall and it just looks like a wall. Mm-hmm. But if I back up 200 yards, I can see that it's a statue of somebody. Mm. Right. Yeah. And many of us are standing in front of these things that are idols in our lives. And people are like, that's an idol. And you're like, no, it's not. It's just mm-hmm. a wall. And it's like, well, you're too close to see the entire sculpture. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're too close to it, right? And that's what therapy is. It's 
going to a place of someone who's standing from afar, Mm -hmm. who doesn't know your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, your friends, who doesn't know you from the past, who can see you from an objective point of view Mm -hmm. and can say like, hey, I recognize you see this as a wall, but we're going to walk through the process and they may not say it out loud, but in their heads, they know, okay, at some point they're going to realize that they're staring at an idol, but I'm going to walk with them with gentleness and tenderness and compassion and non-judgmental, you know, positive regard and with love, let them see. Yeah. I, um, when you say therapy, I do believe that it's so vital to choose the right therapist someone like and even if you have to like interview different people and walk that out because I remember going to therapy um right when I first got married and um just I remember like just picking someone that was close in my radius and I would walk to her office and sit down and it felt like I was just jumping in And immediately, like after two or three sessions, I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like it was just so uncomfortable. Yeah. But she never, I was like, if, if only maybe that person would have told me, um, Hey, this is going to get uncomfortable. This is going to like, tell me what to expect. I would have stayed. And, and I, I, I just, um, and even when I wanted to back out, they weren't strong enough to say, well, you know what? You might be feeling this way. Let's, you know, yeah. and so, and I, but anyway, so it's, a, it's just important to understand and find someone that you jive with, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. And, and I would say this to anyone and like, this is why I created my how to heal workshops. Not everyone's ready to go to therapy. Mm. And I like I've created my how to heal workshop so that people can get bits and pieces of psychoeducation that they can apply at their own pace in their mm, own way. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, because this is my personal opinion. I think it's probably because of what I specialize in. I don't know if I would encourage someone to go to therapy if they did not plan on their life changing significantly. Mm. Like, if you're not prepared for significant change um, and not quickly, but like mm-hmm. if you're not prepared for things to significantly change in your life in the long run, I'm not sure if this is what you want. Mm. I think some people think it's just a space to get understanding, but it's mm-hmm. a place to get understanding to incite change. Um, and they don't realize that just two degrees, um, I always give the example of like the climate, right? Mm-hmm. Changing the temperature consistently two degrees in one area can change the climate. Changing the climate is, you know, the polar ice caps are melted and now the polar bears are starving. Mm. That's what two degrees can do. Wow. And many times we go to therapy and we, we change things up two degrees in our life. And then everything around us begins to respond because a lot of the things around us rely on us being broken. Mm. And when we decide to step out of that, a lot of people in a lot of places and a lot of things are going to have to realize that they have to depend on themselves and that they're going to have to shift, shift two degrees in their own lives. Oh, 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 so good. So, so <laughs> good. Okay. Kobe, do you have your next workshop scheduled? Almost. That's Almost. literally what I plan on doing today. It's definitely going to be in February, probably the second week of February. Okay. Um, so 
keep an eye out for the second week of February. I can't tell you exactly what day, but definitely the second week of February. All right. Well, um, I will put how to get in touch with Kobe in the show notes. Um, friend, thank you so much for these nuggets of wisdom. Um, mm-hmm. We always close out with a quote and a prayer. And so mm-hmm. do you have any quote that is on your heart or a saying that you live by? Um, and then also, will you pray for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the quote that I've been carrying with me everywhere is expect miracles. Ah, yes. I have it right here <sighs> on my little bracelet, right? Yes. So it's expect miracles. Um, and I've been learning to say that to myself in every way. Like this morning I wanted to get up to pray and I was so tired. And I was like, what if I just don't do it? And I said to myself, expect miracle. And the miracle might be that God's going to give me supernatural energy to spend time with him. You know? Um, so that's my quote, expect miracles everywhere you go, expect a miracle to be there. Um, and I would love to pray. I'd love to pray. All right. Lord, thank you for every single person who is going to be touched by this podcast, every single ear that it's going to reach, every single heart that it's going to pierce. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would just breathe over it, breathe over their hearts, breathe over their wounds, God, lead them to the places of healing that you have called them to specifically, God, and allow them to see this year, this month, and this day that they are incredibly loved, that the brokenness they've experienced does not define them, and yet that you are going to use it as fuel to lead them into the purpose of helping other people see just how good you are. Mm. Thank you, God, for your love and your grace and your mercy. Amen. Amen. Thank you so, so much. Just Thank you for having me. This was fun. Hey everyone, thanks for joining us. If you liked today's episode, hit the like and subscribe button. You can find us on Instagram at Married and Having Fun. We'll be sharing cute photos of our husbands and all the things about marriage. Till next time, keep having fun.